0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, August 11th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, demand for COVID testing and vaccines is on the rise. Then the Senate passes a major infrastructure bill and the pandemic is wearing on children's mental health. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The state is in the midst of a massive COVID-19 surge. Yesterday, the Department of Health reported more than 3,400 new cases of the virus. That's the most ever. The new spike has motivated some Mississippians to seek out a COVID vaccine for the first time. We sent reporter Desiree Fraser to a pop-up vaccine site at Jackson State University yesterday. While she was there, she spoke with Angelique Johnson, who's in her junior year of college.
3: I decided to get vaccinated because I would love the world to go back to how it was. Um, I have two nieces, and they are 13 and 7, and I like to take them places and go out, and it would be great to just have everyone healthy in my family. I did have a family member who did get sick. They are fine now, but it was a very scary experience, and I would like everything to continue to go back to the way it was. Why did you wait? I did wait for a while because I just wanted to make sure everything was okay everything was straightened out with all of the vaccines and just decided to give it a little time first. Do you feel like you may have waited too long because of the Delta variant? I do feel like I waited just a little bit too long but you're never too late to get the vaccine so I would encourage everyone to go and get it get everyone safe so we can stop wearing masks and get the world back to how everything was.
2: If demand for vaccines has warmed up over the past few weeks, demand for COVID testing in Mississippi is white hot. Dr. Dan Edney is the chief medical officer for the Department of Health, as well as the public health officer for the state's central region. He speaks with MPB's Rob Lane.
4: The easiest thing to do is to go to the Mississippi State Department of Health website, msdh.gov, and go under our COVID testing leak and it will show you everywhere in the state where you can get free testing, including the health department sponsored drive-through sites that are all over the state. And we are ramping those up to the maximum ability that we can do. All of our testing sites have been really full every day and we're steadily adding uh, new appointments to every day and adding more days of the week for testing as testing has really started to max out on us. And I know in the private clinic setting, the companies that produce our rapid testing are now on national back order again. Rapid tests are just in the private clinic setting are starting to run out and uh, having to shift to the send outs again.
1: In most private clinics, is a test result going to turn around faster than at a state-run one of these mega sites?
4: It will, as long as we still have availability for rapid testing. You know, most most private clinics have that availability right now if it doesn't get exhausted and so we're able to turn around in 20 to 30 minutes and if you know if someone is high risk and positive then you know we're going to treat them with monoclonals that same day or the next day you know, as soon as possible going to the drive through sites are great but if you're sick and you're found to be positive with well, then you got to find somewhere to go you know to get treated we don't want you just to have a COVID diagnosis and go home we want you to get the the treatment that you need because the treatments are very effective now, and they can keep you out of the, out of the hospital
1: a little more than a month ago now, I believe the National Guard started winding down its operation. The National Guard was involved in a lot of earlier testing efforts. Is the absence of the National Guard a significant hurdle in terms of expanding testing capability at this point? Or is that mostly just a red herring? Because my understanding was the National Guard was not doing a ton of testing towards the end of their mission anyway.
4: What what we've done with the health department is contracted out to facilitate our testing, which has increased the availability of testing tremendously to an outside source, Maverick Healthcare, and they've done a phenomenal job of working with us to get people tested and have been a really good partner of just adding on days around the state as we've needed it. So right now, uh, we won't need the National Guard for testing. We'll get the testing done and we'll do what we have to do to get that done. You can't manage an epidemic without it. What we don't know is whether we'll need the National Guard for, for other duties. You know, Right now, we're okay, but we don't know where, where we'll be in two weeks.
1: Does that mean that there's any idea that the National Guard could be called in on this again?
4: Well, that would be up to the the governor. We're not making that recommendation at this point. But if, you know, if Delta continues to worsen at the pace that we think it will, the hospitals are doing all they can as of today. and We're telling them they have to brace for two to six weeks more of these horribly high numbers and high levels of admissions. We'll have to get help everywhere we can. We've already asked for federal support. So the CDC is sending in teams to help augment ICU support at University Hospital to try to increase the number of ICU beds available. Right now, as of today, there are no ICU beds available. So we're doing whatever we can to improve staffing to open up beds to to help people.
1: You mentioned that you had asked the CDC to send in some help federally. Does that include doctors and nurses, or is that just sort of auxiliary support? Is that equipment, logistics? It's everything.
4: It's everything. everything. Um, You know, they're sending in more PPE. We have enough ventilators, uh, but the main thing we need are staff. So they're helping us with staffing. But also, you know, we're not the only state. Louisiana, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida are all in the same boat. So we're just part of the hot zone and everybody is in the exact same situation so if you're in Vicksburg Mississippi and you need to be transferred to a higher level of care you will likely wind up in Atlanta or you could wind up in Arizona we don't we don't know It's it's likely gonna be outside of the hot zone because everybody's ICUs are full in the in the surrounding states as well Mobile is having the same problems with transfers New Orleans is having the same problems Everybody's ICUs are full, and hospitals are stretched to maximum capacity and beyond. And it's just making management of, of sick patients difficult. And so we're just begging people, help us. Try Do everything you can not to get sick enough to be in the hospitals. Be vaccinated. It gives you major protection. If you do get COVID, whether you vaccinate or not, get monoclonal antibody treatment. That's widely available. You can go to the health department website. We have them all listed all over the state where you can go. And live responsibly. Don't live in fear, but wear your mask when you're indoors around in groups where you don't know people very well. Don't go to high risk situations right now. Now's not the time to go to big parties. Wash your hands, socially distance as best you can you know, and just live responsibly, live your life, but do it responsibly. And don't become a COVID casualty.
1: When you say that people could be getting sent out of state, and in some cases, potentially really far out of state to get treatment. I'm curious, I remember in the early days of the pandemic, it was guaranteed that um, the government would foot the bill if you were hospitalized with COVID. Is that still the case? And could someone who is, as you said, sent to Arizona to receive treatment, could they be on the hook for all of the expenses that that would incur?
4: You know, nothing has changed in terms of the federal government supporting the the treatment of of COVID. So we're not wanting anybody, you know, to hesitate from getting the testing and treatment that they need because if someone has no insurance, you're going to still be fully cared for, and Health and Human Services will, you know, support the cost of that. So, you know, part of our rescue plan that clinics and hospitals had last year was that we agreed to take care of those COVID patients that did not have insurance. Now, if you have insurance, your insurance is going to pay. But if you don't, the federal government
1: is going to take care of it. All right. That's good to know. Thank you, Dr. Edney. We appreciate it. You're welcome.
2: Coming up, the Senate has passed a significant infrastructure bill. What could it mean for Mississippi? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: The contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high, you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Yesterday, the U.S. Senate passed a bill that would invest $1 trillion in domestic infrastructure projects. That's significant for Jackson and for its mayor, Shokwe Antar Lumumba. Lumumba has pinned his hopes on major federal funding to help solve chronic problems with the city's water system. MPB's Kobe Vance spoke with Jennifer Ziegler, who is a Region 5 governor for Mississippi at the American Society of Civil Engineers.
0: I am very heartened that the president, and a bipartisan group of senators have come together to reach an agreement on the framework for a comprehensive infrastructure package that includes 55 a little bit over 55 billion dollars for water infrastructure very specifically and i think that that's going to go a long way to helping put a lot of utility districts or water associations on a stronger footing So they can get ahead of the curve and they can start thinking more about the future rather than just what do we need today.
1: Looking at Jackson specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was talking with the mayor last year, uh, he was saying that, you know, in some areas there are pipes that might be 100 years old, or at least in that age range. Is that a common problem that we're seeing in water areas across the state?
0: Jackson is one of the oldest cities in the state. And so it is true I have seen places in, in Jackson where the pipes are approaching 100 years or even older than 100 years old. And so because of the age of the city, that is not uncommon. In places on on the coast where everything was wiped out in Katrina, that's not the case. And in other parts of the state, it really just depends on how old the town or the utility is. But by far and large not just in Mississippi but across the country. Yes, you do see a lot of service pipes that are that are still in service that have exceeded their lifetime. So so they'll be 50, 60, 70, 100 years old.
1: What kind of work goes into having to address those to either update them or remove them?
0: So in order to update or in order to update or remove a pipe, you still have to make sure that you can maintain potable water or drinking water to your clients at all times so everybody still needs to be able to turn the tap on and get clean water at all times so that means that you need to leave the pipes in service while you're trying to replace them a lot of times that means that we have to put pipes in a different location in the same right-of-way or maybe purchase additional right-of-way if there's no space in the utility corridor so that we can install the new infrastructure and continue to provide service. But on top of just being able to provide the pipes and the labor and the trenching in order to do that, you have to be able to tie in to the systems on either end of the pipes that you're replacing so that the water can flow through the new pipes. You also have to get environmental clearances. Sometimes you have to get right away purchased. It's not, Just as easy as, I'm going to go out and dig a trench and put a pipe down and then connect it, and there we go. There's a lot of pre-planning that goes into it, and a lot of that stuff takes time and, and money.
2: There's a lot that remains uncertain about the future of federal infrastructure funding. For starters, this most recent package would have to pass the House. We'll keep you updated on what any further developments mean for Mississippi. Coming up, anxiety and depression in children are spiking. Is the pandemic to blame? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
2: You're listening to Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. This month, students across Mississippi face an uncertain return to school as the highly transmissible Delta variant of COVID-19 spreads unchecked. In dense, chaotic settings like school buses and cafeterias, masking and social distancing rules are almost impossible to enforce. In some districts, those rules don't even exist. At the same time, students across the state are still suffering the academic after effects of last year's lockdown. The overwhelming majority of administrators say a return to virtual learning is all but off the table. So, what's the plan? This week, we pose that question to experts, decision-makers, and stakeholders throughout Mississippi. This is Year Two. Today, we're looking at the role of mental well-being in the risk-reward calculus of school reopenings. Susan Buttress leads the Developmental and Behavioral Pediatrics Division at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She speaks with MPB's Desiree Frazier.
5: We're seeing a lot of concern between parents and children about returning to school and what to do and how to stay safe. I've had calls from several parents who are unsure as to what to do, how to keep their children safe. They know they want their children back in school, but at the same time, they are hearing about the hospitalizations that are occurring now with children, and that's uh, increasing concern. Uh, certainly, our state uh, American Academy of Pediatrics chapter and our national chapter has been looking into this too, and 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 everyone is is concerned about keeping kids safe. But at the same time. We know that staying isolated at home is not good for kids either because of the problems that we see with social emotional development when children aren't engaged with other peers, other kids their age. There's so much more to school than just learning the book sense, the academics, that social emotional development, learning how to be a team, learning how to work with each other, learning how to understand differences. All those things are so important.
3: Is it that some parents that talk to you don't want their children to go back, but they're torn about keeping them at home?
5: Yes, for several reasons. It's, it's exactly that. One, one issue that we see is that parents want their children back in school, but perhaps there's someone in the home who has an illness. I had a recent call and a um, mother who has an autoimmune disease and some difficulties with asthma in the home. And she's concerned about her child going to school who has a developmental disorder and has difficulty keeping a mask on, difficulty understanding how to keep that mask on. And there is no mask mandate in the school. So mother knows that if the child takes the mask off, that nobody's going to insist that he keep that mask on. So she is very, very anxious about having her child in school because, one, he may get sick, or two, she may get sick and be unable to take care of him because she already is vulnerable. What I'm hearing mostly is anxiety around the fact that some schools do have a mask mandate, which is reassuring, I think, to most parents, but some schools don't. I also hear concerns about um, parents who are worried about the social emotional development of children who have to wear masks and whether or not that is an issue. And we've had some discussion around that.
3: What have you been able to determine?
5: <laughs> well, first of all, you know, what I continue to remind everyone about is that first of all, social emotional development is not just looking at the mouth and the expressions um, in the mouth, the, the eye expression, the voice tones, and all of that is part of it. Very early on, children learn how to read facial expressions, so I'm not worried about it impairing their ability to learn that. That happens from birth. To three, But still, yes. Does it impair a little bit the difficulty in interpreting what somebody means if they can't see the entire face? Yes. I'd, I'd be remiss if I tried to say that it didn't impair at all. It does. But what would be much more impairing is for kids to have to be isolated again at home. And so this short term Masking is not going to hurt, harm long-term social emotional development. What will harm it more is if we have to keep kids at home to keep them safe. Uh, that's why I continue to promote the mask as that double protection. And as soon as children can get vaccinated, of course, to get them vaccinated. But right now for our young kids, the only Protection we have other than hand washing and social distancing is that mask. and we know that the the mask is the most protective because the way the virus is transmitted is through the through the sputum, through sneezing, coughing, or just talking or singing all of that. So we don't want to stop talking and singing. We know we can't stop sneezing, but we know we can protect people if we, if we use the mask. And, you know, I, I wish teachers would all wear their mask also. I think it's very important.
3: What has been the effect of the pandemic on children?
5: Oh goodness. We are seeing massive increases in anxiety. And depression, massive increases on a very regular basis have parents calling in increased behavioral problems. And keep in mind, children who are, especially young children, who become more argumentative than before, increased tantrums, that means they're not happy. Children, as we say, especially with young boys, mad is sad. So if you have a little guy or girl who has suddenly become more angry and oppositional, it probably means that they're struggling with depression and anxiety. So we are trying so hard to mount increased help with that through telebehavioral health to teleconsulting through trying to support our pediatricians around the state. But it is difficult to give all the support that is needed because we see a lot. Uh, we are seeing a lot. So I would encourage parents to, to understand that if they're seeing those increasing behavioral problems in their children to seek help, And to get online and start looking at resources, there's all kinds of good advice from the American Academy of Pediatrics and from the National Institute of Mental Health.
3: Dr. Susan Buttress, thank you so much for your insight on this important issue. We appreciate your time.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
2: Our series on Mississippi schools and the pandemic continues on tomorrow's show. We do want to report the Mississippi Department of Health has just reported 3,163 new cases of COVID-19 and 25 deaths. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.